The Voice for LGBTQ plus youth and music only on synth. This is Loud and Queer. Queer. My name is Elizabeth, my pronouns are she, her, I'm bisexual, and I'm coming to you from Boonarong land, that which was never ceded. My name's Laura, my pronouns are they, them, I'm bisexual and queer, and I'm coming to you from Wurundjeri land, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at SinLoud, that's at S-Y-N Loud, and Loud and Queer on our Facebook page. You can also check out the podcast after the show and our previous podcasts on Omi, Spotify, iTunes, Stitch, any of your other big podcasts platforms. You can tune into Loud and Queer every Sunday at 3pm or you can jump onto the podcast and listen to us at any time. Coming up on the show, we're just going to be talking about a lot about the Melbourne Queer Film Festival. We saw quite a few films for that, so we just want to talk about some of our the big ones that we saw and just our thoughts on them and how and just what we liked about them. We'll be talking about keyboard fantasies, forgotten roads, and kiss me before it blows up. And then we'll also be talking about our froth or not for the week. This week we won't be featuring a news section. I want to talk about the anti-trans bills going through parliaments across the United States, but it's a huge topic and we'd love to have somebody on to discuss it with us. So tune in to that either next week or the week after to hear more about that. We're going to be chatting about the Melbourne Queer Film Festival, which wrapped up last week. Um, the festival goes for a couple of weeks across March and features a whole slew of um, local, international and just pretty amazing queer TV shows and films. And this year, because of COVID, they played across a variety of um, online viewing platforms, but also you could go visit them or go see them at some theatres across town. Um, I personally went to see – I personally saw Keyboard Fantasies online. Um, So that was one of the online viewing films and it was about a musician a Canadian musician of well sorry it's about a an American musician um Beverly Glenn Copeland who grew up making music and ended up making this sort of very instrumental um kind of I don't even know how to explain the genre, but it was beautiful, basically. Um, Sort of a mixture of influences from his parents and and sort of influences in his youth. And, yeah, it's a really beautiful documentary about how that, um, that cassette kind of was released locally in Canada, received a bit of attention but not much, and then sort of became really really popular um later on in Japan and so he's like at the age of 80 or something had kind of a revival of his music um oh that's nice and yeah and throughout the film you kind of see like him going on this tour 
as this like old man and his main audience is like quite young people like early 20s late 20s sort of thing and oh they're really inspired by him and he well if the music resonates with you that's what you want like mm-hmm. it sounds like he it sounds very inspirational but sorry go um, on yeah um he like loves the I think the energy they give back to him which is really incredible because you're sitting there watching him sing these like operatic like songs or um these spiritual songs that are kind of personal to like you know him as an african-american man um and then sort of more abstract or modern songs about being a trans man as well and so you're kind of getting this whole range of interesting facets of his life as you not only go through the movie but listen to him revisit this uh this record or this cassette that he released back in I think the 80s and it's just great really oh wow um yeah that sounds really nice it's like what so you watched it online you said uh yeah, like, tell me, like, what was your favourite part about the film? Um, I think watching, so they kind of sh- showed you snippets of um, of him singing with his band and the band was full of young people and they really, you know, admire him um, and look up to him and they've got this really beautiful relationship but I think that all culminated right near the end where he sits down with just like a drum and I think one or two people from his band accompanying him and he just sings this beautiful spiritual song and you're like really just enraptured by it. And you can hear the like the musical training that his mother's given him in his voice but you can also hear that emotional attachment to music and that was really, really just incredible. Well, you've you've caught my interest. I need to listen to his stuff now. Yeah. Um, the album's called Keyboard Fantasies. So oh, that's the same well, that's as easy. the documentary. Yeah. So definitely give it a watch if you get the chance. It's really short and sweet and he's a very sweet man, really thinks about the world in a way that I've not ever seen it but is very beautiful and you get to kind of get that insight I think the only thing I'd say about the movie that I wasn't that into was um I almost thought it like wasn't queer enough I was like tell Mm -hmm. me you know there's a mention of his wife and I'm like can we meet your wife or like um yeah you want to hear more about that side to it mm, yeah and because you know when he was growing up he didn't have the word trans and he grew up in a small um religious town and so he thought he was gay for a long time um and eventually discovered being trans and actually being I think straight maybe bisexual I'm not sure but um as long as he's happy with it who, yeah, with how yeah. he is now like that's what matters I guess <laughs> yeah and it was just really it was like kind of glossed over a little and I was like maybe he just didn't want to go too it. deep maybe it was a bit hard to talk about and that's okay but I was I was like hungry for more you know when you hear queer elders talking and you're like I need to know about your life that's yeah yeah that sounds really nice we'll probably go to a little quick break now but on the topic of, of queer elders that's actually 
the one all about one of the movies I actually saw, Forgotten Roads, which I'll talk about after the break. Welcome back to Loud and Queer. I'm your host Elizabeth with my co-host Laura. And continuing on the topic of like the Melbourne Queer Film Festival, we're just gonna have a talk about the movie that one of one of the movies that I saw for it, which was Forgotten Roads, which was a Spanish film, I believe, with subtitles and everything, but it was a really nice movie about this this lovely um, an elderly couple. Um, it was all about this um, woman, Cla- Claudia, or no, Claudina, that's her name, um, and she had recently lost her husband and so she moves back in, she moves back into, moves back home with her daughter who she's got a very, a very strange relationship with and and her grandson who she has a very good relationship with. Uh, she ends up meeting her neighbour Elsa, who is who is this lovely, like very eccentric old woman who her husband often is travelling a lot, so he's hardly ever home. And they just end up meeting and falling in love and having this really sweet little relationship, which is difficult in their home because it's a very closed off religious town that you know everyone knows everyone, so people talk if you. Like if seeing her going over to this person's house all the time, but it's a very it's a very sweet movie. Of just it's all about. I'd say it's a bit less about the couple itself and more about like self, like sort of self recognition and sort of re- coming into her own. Um, one thing that I noticed a bit about the film, which I think was like after the after like the first time I watched it, like I only watched it once, but after like immediately afterwards, I. Th- one thing that I kind of thought was that it could have done more, a bit more with the representation. Like the queer couple is the focal point of the film, definitely. But like, I don't know, I don't want to say anything about spoiling things, but like it was very much a point where afterwards I kind of sit down and realise that wasn't, that actually wasn't the focal point of the film. Like it was very central obviously, but it wasn't the focal point. It was all about the main character Claudina and her realizing her own identity becoming more confident in that and her sort of realizing her age doesn't hold her back like there's all these like there was this really good scene like partway through it where she is like she has this great relationship with this other girl in the town who doesn't feel like she belongs there either they never really go into her identity or anything she just like wants to get out of the town and like see the world and Claudina's been to her like do that like don't be like me I stayed in this town my whole life and I kind of wish I got out sooner and it in the end she kind of just realizes what's stopping me <laughs> this it's it was the very big focal point I think of it was that the main character had spent his whole life feeling like she was tied to someone for but then realizing she doesn't need she doesn't she just doesn't need someone else in her life like she's happy with the identity that she is and she's confident in herself now but she doesn't need anyone else to be happy. Yeah, okay. But does it yeah. kind of um, show her getting into a new relationship? Yeah, like, it does. What? It shows yeah. her. It shows the development of her relationship with Elsa. Mm. Really sweet. Like it's not sexualized or anything. It's mm. just like 
it's like an actual relationship. Like there's this really cute scene like through it where like after they've met and everything because since Claudine is old, she had like she doesn't drive or anything. Like she, her husband used to do that for her so she just didn't really know how to do that kind of stuff. Mm. And there's just this really sweet scene where Elsa and her are driving down a road and she's te- Elsa's teaching her how to drive and like they're stopping and starting all the time. They're just like laughing together. <laughs> it's a really sweet scene. It just feels like they're just having fun with each other and that's, it's it's just, it feels like a genuine relationship is formed between the two, which is, it was really mm. sweet to watch. Yeah, right. And what was the relationship like with her with Claudina's relatives after she started coming out um she never is like strictly says like her identity to her fair like to her daughter and grandson but again like it's a whole thing if people are talking like her her daughter isn't accepting at all like she's very much like like you're gonna bring shame to me again like I if you keep doing this kind of stuff and we keep talking like you got to get out this whole sort of thing like she never directly kicks her out or anything, but it's the threat is definitely there. Like she just doesn't have that kind of support with her daughter. But mm. her grandson is very different. Like he's very much, he's very much like, you're my grandmother. I love you. I don't care about that kind of stuff. You're happy. That's mm. what matters to me. Like I think again, like at his age, like he probably, like not in the sense like he didn't fully understand it and everything. He just kind of knows that like. Elsa makes you happy and that's all that matters to me like Mm. which is kind of what it should be so it's it's, perfect yeah (laughs) yeah exactly so like he does like she has a very good relationship with her grandson which I think is like that's a good point to have as well like because a lot of other people like she has like she has like those connections so she doesn't feel so lonely because she has it through Elsa she has it through her grandson and she eventually also meets will reconnect with this other man who owns like a gay club on the other side of town and Mm. like they were they kind of knew each other in high school weren't very close but he's very out but he's also very reclusive he's very like scared of everyone else because he's afraid of like how they're all going to treat him and everything Mm. Mm -hmm. which is very sad you see that whole flip side and sad part to it but you can't it's I guess it's kind of uplifting to see that she doesn't fall into that as well like she yeah realizes her identity and she's like I'm not gonna hide it I'm not gonna stay here I'm gonna like go out there live the life I want to live regardless of my age which I think was a very sweet thing like I like I am like the way the movie ended again I was a little bit disappointed I feel it could have done a bit more with the queer relationship but at the same time I'm also happy to acknowledge that that wasn't the focal point of the film Interestingly enough, I had the same thing with uh, the film I'm going to be talking about next, which is Kiss Me Before I B- Before It Blows Up. And oh, really? Yeah, the queer relationship, although those two characters were the main characters, they were not really the focus of the narrative, which is interesting. Oh. This is Loud and Queer. You're here with Laura and Elizabeth. back to Loud and Queer and we're talking about the Melbourne Queer Film Festival and the movies we saw 
And I saw Kiss Me Before It Blows Up uh, last week, which was about a queer couple, One and it's set in Tel Aviv. One is from Israel and one is from Germany. Ooh. And it kind of follows the tensions of a relationship like that as they get to know each other. It's quite a new relationship. And at the beginning of the film, the German partner Maria accidentally proposes to Shira the the Israeli woman um and Shira's like yes of course I'd love to marry you but is like well known in her family for being like a commitment phobe so Maria's like oh no she's so happy I have to go along with it now which is kind of a classic relationship faux pas I feel like when you want your partner to be happy so you don't tell them that you kind of didn't really mean that or that you don't feel a certain way about something that they feel a certain way about yeah that kind of obligation to keep going even if you don't agree like and so it follows this and the family getting to know Maria and the family is very strong-minded and of course you're in a place that is very political you know no one is untouched by politics or the you know I the effects the effects of the Israel-Palestine conflict so you kind of get a taste of all of it so the father is the very traditional Jewish father who's like Maria has to convert to Judaism or she can't carry my grandkids and then Mm. the mother is very obsessed with the history of the Holocaust and the history of Jewish persecution, which is obviously a very serious topic and needs to continue to be talked about. But she sort of pries into Maria's life going, what were, you know, what did your grandparents do during the war? And goes on and on and on. And Maria's like, I don't really know. We thought they were farmers, but we're not really, you know, we don't know anything about them, blah, blah, blah. And that really builds tension. I won't go into it, but Mm. you find out some stuff later and you're thinking, oh, God, this couldn't get worse. Um, oh, no. But the funniest bit is that Maria's parents come to visit and meet everybody. And the family, um, Shira's family, takes them to a Holocaust museum as kind of a <gasps> joke, like to <laughs> to sort of poke and prod. And, and so there's kind of that very, um, not exactly dark humour, but that sort of humour that's, you you can kind of only make that joke if you're a part of that, you know? It's like yeah. gay people making, like, you know, detrimental jokes about ourselves. It's sort of that very – and so the German parents go along like, oh, yes, very polite. Like, <laughs> they have no idea what to do and it just kind of culminates in, like, a lot of big messes like that because they're always mm. sort of pushing each other. And it's And so it really focuses in on, like, the family dynamic but with all these kind of political and social tensions oh okay while that's all going on though the grandmother who everyone kind of wants approval from Shira's grandmother is this very sort of coy but also quite aggressively like charged matriarch of the family and she's very I think she's yeah she she kind of represents Israel to me I think she's sort of 
pretty nationalistic. Mm, she okay. never mentions, you know, like, oh, colonialism's great, but no one says it that way, you know, so you don't know exactly. But she's sort of like, oh, like, Israelis and Palestinians don't mix, but she's kind of in love with a Palestinian man. And so oh. you, this is the real focus of the movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. But you don't notice until the end. And I can't tell you the ending, but it's also really strange. Mm-hmm. So everything is oh, kind of good. like you sort of want to be able to laugh and you want to be able to draw those parallels between like a Jewish-German relationship and a Palestinian-Jewish relationship. But I feel like while the Jew- the Holocaust stuff is handled really delicately, the Palestinian oppression is not. It's kind of made a punchline. Okay. So, yes, and this is where it gets complicated for me because I'm like, it's a rom-com. You can't take it seriously. But yeah, with an Israeli director, yeah, with an Israeli director, you can't really be like, oh, but she gets it because she doesn't. And none of the Palestinian characters really get a voice. I mean, there's like one Palestinian okay. character, but yeah. So I think I just would want to be a bit critical of that. I was sitting and, you know, everyone came out of the movie theatre sort of being like, wow, that was really cute, that was really good, the jokes were funny. And I was like, didn't we kind of vastly misinterpret, (laughs) like, how insensitive that could be to Palestinian people? So, yeah, yeah, it's a strange one. Yeah, like you kind of need to know the experiences Mm. of, like, both sides in order to properly delicately handle that situation which yeah yeah, like I see what you mean like it sounds like it it sounds like rom-com wise it was like an enjoyable movie yeah there was like like, an airport chase and like a uh, romantic montage yeah and a wedding and whatever (laughs) sweet Mm. yeah it's like it's just that's one of the like it's important to be critical of films in that regard so it's like Mm. like yeah you just need just in the future that sort of topic needs to be handled better and you need to have if you're talking about that kind of talk if you're ever talking about another's experience you should have someone there to give their opinion like someone that lives that experience there to Mm. help guide you in the right way so you're not being offensive either way like yeah that makes sense yeah those parallels you know maybe they're relevant to be drawn that way but or maybe you know they could help people empathize with each other but as it was it was more of a Palestine's a bit of a joke is the vibe I got Mm -hmm. which is not true they're just people trying to live under pretty oppressive government so yeah it was a weird one (laughs) yeah so that was our Melbourne Queer Film Festival experience. I had a pretty good time. Overall, I think the festival does some really great things. They show some really awesome movies. I actually watched um, My First Summer, which was kind of like the centerpiece film. It's just on stand. So if you didn't get to the festival, you can see it on stand. And it was wild. I'm not going to do a whole review because Sin's already got one. You can check that out on our features page. But just in terms of of a teen sapphic love story, 
it was not what I expected. And that's all I'm going to say. I saw the review on the features page for that movie. Mm. So I've been like eager to watch it. I didn't know it was on stand. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I couldn't get to see it at the festival, but I saw it on stand. I was like, you know what? That's, that looks interesting. And you think it's going to be kind of like them discovering sexuality and discovering each other. And there's a bit of that, but it's really actually to do with like how your parents kind of traumatize you or neglect you or, um how mental illness affects families and oh wow the romantic love story is just a romantic love story between kids who like need someone who loves them and not a parent who yeah so it's great go watch it um that sounds great (laughs) I I hate how much I feel I need to resonate with that (laughs) yeah it is I think something queer kids even if you can't relate to this story, and the story is kind of outlandish, but even if you can't relate to that, you like a lot of queer people I think can relate to needing their parents to be something that they aren't, and that's definitely there. Understandable. I think we all love some outlandish feelings and an outlandish story or two every so often. Yeah. Welcome back to Loud and Queer. We're going to have our froth or not now. Um, Elizabeth, what's your froth bin this week? Um, I got to say, which is kind of it, but it has been a bit of impact of my not. I've been mm. playing more video games, I guess. Like I, mm. um, I've been finishing up The Witcher Three, which is uh, I love that game so much. It's so good, and this is just probably the in a bisexual me but I love like the female lead characters in the game like you play as a you you stick as just like the main witcher girl for the whole game but you play you like the other like three main female leads in the game so Siri, Cirilla, Yennefer and Triss I just love all of them mm. they're all so pretty mm. cool so some gay feelings for the uh the characters look I own a Yennefer cosplay it's not this Uh, it's it's how it is (laughs) what about you what's been your (laughs) what about you what's been your froth for the week my froth has oh god I've had a few um I think do tell so one one good thing was like I went to see my family in WA after not having seen them for like 13, 14, no, 15 months because <laughs> oh, of COVID, because nice. of good old COVID. So that was really good. But something that came like that I, I really enjoyed was on the flight back, I downloaded some episodes of Nancy, which is like a WNYC podcast um, hosted by Tobin Lowe and Kathy too. And I've liked that podcast for years and years but I'm sort of savoring it because they've finished producing it there's only four seasons maybe and so I don't want to listen to them all and like run out Um, okay fair enough it's such a great podcast it just explores queer issues um in 30 minute episodes and they did this great uh 
episode where they interviewed two pretty prominent LGBT figures. So one was Chella Man, who's like oh, yeah. a YouTuber. He's a queer person of color, trans, and he's deaf. So he's kind of an activist around those things, but also an artist and a YouTuber and just a million things. He's very accomplished. Um, but yeah, it was really great hearing him talk about his experiences and growing up in a small town um, as like a trans person. Um, I won't go too much into that one. But the second one was an interview with Rebecca Sugar, who is the creator of Steven Universe, which is a pretty queer uh, (laughs) kids TV show. And she talked, she's non-binary and I think uses she, they, or she, yeah, she, 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 they, I believe. she they pronouns and yeah. so Rebecca talked a lot about um the difficulty of getting like a canon um sorry mine gone blank <laughs> getting like a canon queer relationship in there and like the difficulty of having to wait three years till the show was really established in a lot of countries before they were like, oh, yeah, by the way, all the crystal gems are non-binary as well. And, like, that doesn't seem that controversial. They're gems. They're not humans. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. they don't, they're not even, like, hampered by, you know, quote-unquote biology. And obviously that's not a real thing. But Yeah. Um, Sadly, people can get very hyped up about that. Yeah. So <laughs> even that, even ascribing non-binary to a fuck it sorry to like a sentient gem was like controversial to the network but anyway so um I will just add in like there's obviously like a um there's a lot of discussions of racism around that show so um definitely you know google that and read about that I won't dive too deep into it but just wanted to acknowledge it um, yeah, I have my, I have my own like like you said like I've got I have my criticisms on Steven Universe mm. and like how it handles a lot of issues in that show. Yeah, but like I will always have respect for Rebecca for being able to establish that queer relationship in the way that like in the way that they did. Like, mm. like I think also like which is just like from like the wedding scene they have in that show. Like have like even in show even in like countries where like, even though both, like, the two characters in it, like, they're both, again, non-binary, mm. but, like, people will often establish, like, a male and a female voice in, like, more conservative countries for them. Mm-hmm. And then flipping it on their head and having for the wedding the character that everyone, like, that conservative countries establish as male wearing a wedding dress and the one female wearing a suit, like, that was very, like, like, I have a lot of respect for that, mm. but... Again, like the show has its own issues that that's not really for us to go into. Definitely, um, and we can go into that another time if we like. <laughs> um, <laughs> True, but I just wanted to mention like something I really frothed about this episode is that oh, yes, yes. Rebecca talks about um, bisexuality and non-binary identities, and it was like really I hadn't. I guess I've heard people talk about this, but not so succinctly. So, um, like, Rebecca came out as bisexual at, like, a really young age, and so did I, like, 13-ish. And 
everyone sort of just was like to her like why do you why are you talking about that you know we don't care like why do you care why do you have to tell everybody that kind of thing and so Mm -hmm. she didn't talk about it for like 15 years or something and I got like a little bit of that or people just being confused and so me feeling like it was a weird thing to bring up but I never felt as pressured to keep it silent but then she started talking about um like thinking about coming out as non-binary and how that hadn't even come up as a young person you know people didn't even talk about that they talked about bisexuality and there was a lot of bi-erasure and Mm. you know trying to remove the b from lgbt and whatever like 10 years ago yeah (laughs) do you remember i had completely forgotten until i heard about that interview and then i was like what the hell that's so nasty yeah like like, at at the time when that old stuff was happening like I wasn't like I hadn't really like I wasn't identified I didn't identify as bisexual then but like Mm. when I did hear about it I was kind of like what's the big deal like just let bi people be happy I know just like they're a part of it why are you so hateful gay people um (laughs) yeah and then it kind of went into um how they felt free kind of coming out as non-binary because no one had kind of come up and said, stop talking about that. They were like, well, I don't know, like maybe, you know, um, maybe I can just say it and no one will care. And obviously like by then she had a big following and a lot of people cared and a lot of people had to put their two cents in. It was really annoying. Mm. Um, But it it was like really cool to hear that perspective because I've been, um, you know, I've I've been like kind of affected by that like bisexual erasure, I think. Mm. And being like, well, if people don't even believe being bi is real or valid, why would they believe in like other genders? And it was like kind of nice to see someone had been able to like separate those things and actually feel like more comfortable with being like genderqueer or gender fluid or non-binary and yeah. I was like no way so uh, I think I just really enjoyed hearing that and I'd really recommend Nancy to anyone that um it sounds really good yeah I mean it wasn't like fun you're not like oh yeah the oppression <laughs> I love that but it's really cool Ooh. hearing people have like a similar but also markedly different experience from you I think that was cool yeah well I think that's always important like no matter the, like, obviously people have, as we talked about plenty of times before, like, everyone has different experiences with their with their own identity, like, mm. whether through se- through gender or sexuality. And, like, no matter what, whenever you do come out, whether it is just, to like, to yourself or to friends or to family mm. or to everyone, like, that's always, like, another step forward for everyone. Like, mm. that's a step forward in saying, like, hey, I'm here this is normal this isn't a weird thing this mm. is like I'm I'm proud to say what I who I am like yeah yeah definitely it is it's such a nice thing I think just to know that other people are out there dealing with the same stuff even if it's not good 
you can all kind of connect that way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Did you have a knot this week? Um, well, I mean, like I just like I just said, but given the fact I've been playing like Witch of the Hold the whole week, mm. it's because I've been sick all week. Oh yeah. <laughs> So that's Aww. a that's a that's a big hot knot. Let me tell you that. Mm. <laughs> that's the worst, and you kind of feel like you should be doing something else, and you're like, mm, but I'm gonna indulge, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's like curse my my obligation to feel like I have to constantly be doing something, mm. and then like sickness being like, yeah, well, too bad. You're not gonna do anything for like a week. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, that's good. Kind of forces you to slow down for a bit. Yeah, like admittedly I do feel more relaxed, which is <laughs> I can't yeah. tell if that's a good thing or a bad thing. That's so good. Um What about you? Any knots for this week for you? Oof. Oh god. <laughs> Paperwork. Paperwork. <laughs> so because of my move to New South Wales, I've been like running around doing a million things I bought a car I went to visit Perth which was good and exhausting and I am signing a lease and then I have issues with the lease and then I'm uh signing job contracts and filling out super forms and deciding who I want my super contribution my super fund to be hey the grind never stops. The grind. And I've just got this list of all these things and then I've got a pack and my room looks like it has been destroyed by a tornado. Well, that's the joy about this being a podcast. No one can no see. No one can see it. Um, but, yeah, packing felt easy at first. I was like, wow, I really packed everything. And then it started to kind of get to that disorganized point where you've got things in and out of boxes that, you thought you wouldn't need and then you want them oh yeah oh I don't need this but actually no maybe I do need this I've suddenly decided that I want to use that thing that I never use when it's packed away (laughs) Um, such as the life of a hoarder yeah and so there's been that but I'm kind of excited because I've had this idea to do sort of a story about staying connected to queer culture while I'm living rurally oh yeah because I want to like find queer people out in small towns and interview them and I want to talk about how they stay connected to it and how I stay connected to it and so I think that that'll come up in a later episode once I've settled into the town yeah thank you yeah it's Um, a it's a good story to tell because you don't really hear about that no you don't don't really hear about that so it's a yeah it's a good story to tell yeah I did actually this morning see a story about it on ABC Queer and I was like damn it they beat me to it but it's still (laughs) it's still so rare to hear that so that's kind of like something I want to do in a future episode um I mean look at it this way that was the first story you're going to be the next one (laughs) it's true there are probably like thousands of those people and you don't ever hear about it so It'd be cool. Well, you can be you can be there to to tell that story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm definitely feeling inspired by that. So that'll be really fun. I just have to like find them somehow. So if you're a queer country living person in Australia, please <laughs> let us know. Contact Hit Loud and Queer. Yeah, <laughs> at us at Sin Loud, Twitter and Instagram. DM, 
please. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's pretty much my week. I've had a good week. I've had a really hectic week. I'm so tired, but it's going well. We'll be sure to get some rest afterwards as well. Mm. Like that's important. Self-care is important, everybody. Mm. Yesterday I just laid in bed and like <laughs> I could not move. I could not move. And I was like, I'm going to order Uber Eats. And that was my test. Yes. So it was a bit, that's yeah. That's good. Bit of a, not a failure. Probably. Hey. That'll be me tomorrow probably. Oh, Yeah. Welcome back to Loud and Queer. I'm Laura, here with Elizabeth, my co-host, and we're just wrapping up Loud and Queer today. Thanks for listening to the show this afternoon. We hope you've had a nice Sunday. You can get in touch with us. Let us know what you thought of the show, what you thought of our reviews. Tell us if you visited, um, if you watched any of the Melbourne Queer Film Festival movies, and you can find us at Sin Loud on Instagram and Twitter. And that's at SYN Loud. You can also check out the podcast that we do. You can also check out this podcast or any of our other previous podcasts on any other, on any other big podcasting platforms like Spotify, Omi, Stitch, iTunes, well, Apple Music, I guess is what it is now. <laughs> True. Um, today we... T- we, today we talked about the Melbourne Queer Film Festival and all the different movies that we saw for it and our thoughts on them, including Kissing Before It Blows Up, Forgotten Roads and Keyboard Fantasies, and as, as well as listening to our Hot or Not for the week. Yeah, and you can check out our Facebook group, The Sin Loud and Queer Community Cafeteria, or our Facebook page, Loud and Queer, if you want to join in on the community. Thanks for listening today and if you want to hear any of our music again just search The Loud and Queer Mixtape 2021 on Spotify or Apple Music. Next week we will probably be chatting about the anti-trans bills being discussed in parliaments across the US and what that's been like for queer people in you know um, probably more conservative states in the united states mm. um so that'll be a bit of a <laughs> a rough one but um we're gonna try and to talk about. yeah keep that discourse going um you're listening to loud and queer at uh, on at sin 90.7 fm i'm elizabeth and i'm laura and you're listening to loud and queer the voice by lgbtq plus youth and music only on sin This is Loud and Queer.